If you enjoy the Bellator Christie podcast, why not join us for the live taping of the show? This show is recorded every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And to catch the live show, consider going over to youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. We hope to see you there. Coming to you from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, and Ronan, Montana. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. Uh, this is uh, yours truly, Dr. Brian Chilton, joined alongside of Curtis Evelo. Uh, this has been a podcast that the devil has been trying to fight ever since last Tuesday. Last Tuesday, October 25th, uh, was my birthday. And so had a wonderful birthday. But after the birthday... The post-birthday party was not a good party because uh, it was a party that would not stop uh, because I got the stomach flu. So, hey, huh? <laughs> more like, oh, <laughs> that was a party that would not stop. So, yeah, that lasted a good 24 hours. And the problem was that I got so sick that it messed with my vocal cords. Uh, I wasn't able to talk very well. My wife appreciated that, I'm sure, for at least another good 24 or 48 hours. (laughs) (laughs) She enjoyed the silence Uh, in the household, I'm sure. But... uh, but Thursday, I had uh, that Thursday, I had an opportunity to uh, teach a Bible study uh, with a, so a wonderful group of ladies at a nursing facility in our area. Uh, but the 30 minutes teaching uh, just wiped out my vocal cords almost completely. Uh, I, I couldn't speak hardly more than a whisper that afternoon. So anyhow, I had we had to postpone uh, this episode for this week. Uh, from last week to this week, and then this afternoon, we actually was we're going to try to treat you to um, a fireside chat. We were I was, the plan was with this new system that we have, we're able to um, to act, we're actually able to go remote now. So I was going to it's the first time we've been able to do this Be back mobile. since gosh years ago, and so um, anyhow, the plan yeah, was. I remember, to take, I remember a couple of them. Yeah, and that was back when we lived down in Yakinville. I mean, that's been years ago, uh, at least mm-hmm. early 2018, I would say. And so uh, the mm-hmm. plan was to have another fireside chat with you guys. But starting about 3.30, 4 o'clock, the day went insane. Uh, the, the day was great, but it was about 3.30, 4 o'clock. Things started going, getting a little hairy. And then um, they're doing a lot of road construction where we live. And I went to McDonald's to get diet, uh, get a diet Dr. Pepper. That took 30 minutes. I took <laughs> – if I hadn't already paid for the thing, I'd probably just left. And then the road construction added another 30 minutes. So it took an hour to get home, which should only take 15 minutes. So uh, all that to say, 
that this apparently God's going to apparently do something with this podcast tonight because the devil has been fighting this tooth and nail. So we hope to get a fireside chat with you here sometime very, very soon in the not too distant future. Hopefully the weather will hold out and uh, we'll be able to do just that. Well, without further ado, let's bring on the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Curtis Evelo. Hey, all right, just a second here, just a second here. So Kurt, oh, he's got the trophy. Folks, if you get a chance, you need to flip over youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Take a look at our YouTube page. He is holding out number one, 2022 Digging Deep <laughs> ATV Fantasy League, the champion, Curtis Evelo. Let's say, let's get the champion, Curtis Evelo. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Oh man, that was just a bunch of fun, and I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep living that one up. You know, it's it was it was a lot of fun, and I get to rub it into my son, so that's always a good time for me. <laughs> oh yeah, heck yeah. Oh man, what a good time. So, uh, man, um, this this whole the the whole series that we've got going on pneumatology on the holy spirit it has been just a uh it's been a really really good one but you know it's it's crazy because it seems like each and every time i keep saying man we could go deeper man we could go deeper and i think this one um we're gonna have to be pretty diligent about staying on course with this one because it's gonna get deep real quick Oh, yeah, and, and we even said at the outset of the podcast, before every podcast, we don't air this part. We we say a prayer before every podcast, and um, we would even talk about before the prayer time that we may very well have to split this one up into two parts because mm-hmm. there's just a lot to it. And we as deep as, as much scripture as we have to share with you today, we could even go deeper oh, yeah. uh, with it if, if, time, if time permitted. Yeah, yeah, so let's jump in. So what do we mean? What do we mean when we when we speak on the symbols of the Holy Spirit? Since that's our topic today, is the symbols of the Holy Spirit? Well, a symbol is kind of a representation, uh, an object that represents something about another entity. And so, uh, for instance, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there are certain uh, animals, uh, natural forces, uh, substances that tell us certain details about who the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is, what the Holy Spirit does. And the more we understand these symbols, the better we can actually understand what God is doing in certain things, such as the baptism of Jesus. There's a reason why a dove came down and, and lighted upon the head of Jesus when he was baptized. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dove is one of those symbols that we'll talk about tonight, but uh, there are there are numerous symbols uh, we're going to look at five tonight, uh, but we there are other symbols that we could bring that come to mind uh, when we talk about the Holy Spirit. But there are five that we'll talk about. So these are things that are are um, objects, forces, substances that tell us something deeper about the nature of the Holy Spirit. All right. Yeah. So let's just go into the next one. What are some of the major symbols used for the Holy Spirit? So you said five, and and that's what we have listed here. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into those. 
Yeah, at least five. I mean, we, we could probably go mm-hmm. in more, but most theologians really concentrate on these five because these five are really the, the heart of the symbols that you find pertaining to the Holy Spirit. So the first one that we'll talk about is a dove, and, and the, we'll call this the innocent dove. Uh, there, there's a certain purity that's found with a dove that represents uh, the Holy Spirit. The mm-hmm. second is a purging fire. And see, this is why I really wish it would have worked to be at the fire pit. If we do have to break this up, maybe the weather will cooperate where well, we can do it again. Uh, hmm. if nothing, if nothing else we'll do, we'll do it, uh, later on. But, but yeah, the purging fires, the, the, the vision was to be able to have, be there by the fire pit, watch the fire as we do this. But anyhow, the, the purging fire, that's another symbol of the Holy Spirit, the mighty wind. Wind, we see, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Uh, water, the cleansing nature of water, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, oil, uh, the anointing oil, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. This is so deep, uh, the the, uh, the symbol of the oil, that it even has um, a relationship with the title Messiah or Christ, which means the anointed one. And when we talk about Christ, the anointed one, um, prophets were anointed with oil. Uh, oil was poured upon their head because it represented the fact that they had a connectiveness with the Holy Spirit. This Messiah would be one who was ultimately anointed with the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit would not leave. It was a, There was a union between this person and the Holy Spirit that didn't exist with anyone else. So even the, the whole title of Christ or Messiah uh, is really related to uh, the symbolism of the oil uh, as it relates to the Holy Spirit. Nice. Yeah. So I'm watching us live on Facebook just to verify and make sure just to see. And I don't know, you don't have me up there, buddy. Nobody can yeah. see me. Yeah, unfortunately, on the Facebook, we we uh, for some reason uh, you have to look at my ugly mug alone. Uh, if you want to see Curtis and I, go to over to our YouTube page again. That's youtube.com <laughs> forward slash Bellator Christie. That's B L L A T O R Christ with an I, and uh, you can see you can see the champ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is trophy. Yeah, so what does? What does the symbol of the innocent dove say of the Holy Spirit's character and work, and where do we find these references? So for each of these symbols tonight, what we need to do is we need to take a look at the scriptural reference and the symbolic reference. So before we answer what the symbol means, let's first look at where we find these symbols. And so, Curtis, I'll read the first one. Uh, this is Genesis chapter 8. Guys, if you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, you're mm-hmm. more than welcome to turn with us. Uh, I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. I think Curtis normally reads from the ESV, yeah. English Standard Version. So, uh, so these are the two translations we're using tonight. But we first of all take a look at the typology of the dove and raven sent from Noah's Ark. And this comes to us from Genesis chapter 8, verses 6 through 12. And it says, after, uh, this is again Genesis 8, 6 through 12. After 40 days, uh, Noah opened, uh, Noah opened the ark that he had made and sent out a raven. It went back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see whether the water on the earth's surface had gone down. 
but the dove found no resting place for its foot. It returned to him in the ark because water covered the surface of the whole earth. He reached out again and brought it into the ark to himself. So Noah waited seven more days and sent out a dove from the ark again. Now, whatever happened to the raven, though? You see, the Mm -hmm. raven's not there anymore. Uh, So sent out the ark again. When the dove came to him at evening, there was a plucked olive leaf. That's Here again, olive oil. There's something there to that, too. A plucked olive leaf in its beak. So Noah knew that the water on the earth's surface had gone down. After he had waited another seven days, he sent out the dove, but it did not return to him again. In the 601st year, uh, in the first month, on the first day of the month, the water that had covered the earth was dried up. Then Noah removed the ark's cover and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was dry. So here's the point. Noah sends out two birds. He sends out a raven and he sends out a dove. The raven goes out and doesn't return. The dove goes out, but it does return. Now, there's a symbolism that many ancient Jewish scholars and rabbis used to hold, and they saw a symbolism between the spirit of God in the Mm -hmm. dove and the spirit of Satan in the raven. There's two spirits, spiritual Mm -hmm. dimensions there. The raven went out and, and probably found land, but he wasn't concerned about anyone else. He wasn't concerned about the people in the ark. He wasn't concerned about the animals in the ark. He went out, took care of himself, and didn't bother to notify anyone else. The dove, however, went out, found land, brought evidence back, and served as type of a homing pigeon. Well, really, I guess he was, being a dove, was a homing pigeon, came back to Noah, notifying him that there was a resting place ahead. Many people see this as an imagery of the Holy Spirit and how he leads us us to safety, not only in this world, but also leads us to safety, spiritually speaking, to the heaven that God has prepared for us. Stephanie Tilly actually writes something here. Let me see if I can pull this up. Uh, She said that, oh, this thing is not cooperating. Um, Well, I just had it. Where did it go? The night before my grandmother died, she told me there was a white dove on the end of her bed. She asked me if I had seen it. I was 13 years old. I confirmed to her that I didn't see it, but I believed her that it was there and she was seeing it. So there again, that dove, even in modern times, may be used as a symbolism of the Holy Spirit. Interestingly, uh, when my my, my grandfather was sick and um, before he passed, we actually saw a white dove outside the hospital uh, mm. just moments before he passed. So mm. even today, the Holy Spirit may actually use the symbolism of a dove. There, there was even uh, there's even a symbolism when we left Yakimville. There was a white dove that was uh, on our house. When we moved into the house we're in now, guess what we see all the time? There's a whole host of white doves. So could the Lord have been using that? Might he have been using that to guide us to where we need to be? Quite possibly. Uh, but what we do find is we see the, dis- the distinction between the black raven representing the spirit of Satan, not concerned with anyone else but himself, but the white dove that's concerned about the people of God leading them to safety. So there's an innocence found in the in the dove. Let's take a look at John one thirty two, and with that in mind, considering the dove and Noah's ark, 
Let's see how this plays into Jesus' baptism. Yeah. And so I'll just start. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll just go to 32. So uh, John one thirty-two, and John bore witness. And he quotes, I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Yeah. Um, so here again, he was, I, I think, was he told, remind me, Curtis, was, was John told that he was going to see the spirit of God descending? He may not have been told the dove, but the, but he would see the spirit of God descending on, on the Messiah when he was baptized. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there. Anyhow. Well, uh, yeah, it says, um, uh, this is, he talks about him being the one that comes, um, that comes before. It comes now, but but Jesus came before him, so to speak. And he says, uh, and this is when Jesus was coming down to the water, and he says, um, you, you must fulfill uh, the duty of, of the law. So, and so the heavens, the heavens parted, and then John saw uh, the dove resting on Jesus, and then he heard from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So so here again, understanding the dove and the symbolic representation that the dove has with the Holy Spirit, uh, John understood that he would see the Spirit of God descending on Jesus. And this dove, that which is a representation, a symbolic representation of the Holy Spirit, descended mm-hmm. upon Jesus as the Holy Spirit was descending upon him. This dove rested upon him. And it was a symbol for everyone to to understand that the Spirit of God was resting with this one. He was the anointed one, right? anointed by the Holy Spirit, which means Christos or Mashiach in Hebrew. That is the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus, the Christ. Understand Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's a title. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, uh, the Messiah, of God, the anointed one of God. So when we think of the symbolic references of the Holy Spirit as it pertains to the dove, the dove tells us about the peace of God, that the peace of God has come to an individual. Um, so, so when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we receive Christ, just as the day of Pentecost, we receive the Holy Spirit, that personal presence of God, like a dove, comes within us. It rests upon an individual. But the peace of God has also come to the nations. We see this as a symbol uh, found in Noah's Ark, that uh, there was a nation of people that would be developed uh, that would come out of the work of the Holy Spirit, working in and through, bringing them to rest to find a place to stay. Uh, We ultimately see that uh, peace will come to the world uh, when, when Christ returns. We see peace will come. When, when he establishes his kingdom. And that's why uh, it's no surprise that, uh, he, that the Spirit rested on the one who would be called the Prince of Peace. So the white dove especially symbolizes the overwhelming, incomparable peace that flows from God to us as made possible through the atoning work of Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of go back, I wanted to make sure that people understood what you were asking, because you were asking, was he told? Well, it was revealed to him 
uh, it says, uh, but it says, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, he, he so he has the Holy Spirit. He's able to mm-hmm. baptize with the Holy Spirit. Uh, th- that's a unique uh, that's a unique uh, responsibility given to Jesus that no one else had. Uh, so quite fascinating to see that symbolism of the, of the dove representing the Holy Spirit coming in, anointing and resting upon Jesus, uh, unlike any other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, I mean, just look at this though, the next, the next verse. And it says, John, this is John saying, and I have seen and have borne witness that this is the son of God. Now think about it. That was, that was confidence. The Holy Spirit, you know, emboldening him to have the confidence that that is the Son of God. It still doesn't take away the fact that later on, John questioned, "Are you are you the one?" In, oh yeah. In a time of in a time of doubt, in a time of of pressure, he still was questioning. Hey, I'm not really sure about this, but but I'm sure when Jesus gave him. Look at what the look at what the Messiah is doing. These are the things. These are the works the Messiah was going to do. The Holy Spirit rests upon him. Don't worry. And I think that's just fabulous when we think about that. Well, you know, and Curtis, you bring up a point that we need to consider as well, that even John the Baptist, as as holy and faithful as he was, <laughs> yeah. God gave him evidence. I mean, that was an apologetic with yeah. the Holy yeah. Spirit, with a dove. Yeah resting upon Jesus as he yeah. did. God told him, he revealed it to him that it was going to happen. It happened. But even John the Baptist, in a state of trial and tribulations that he faced, even questioned, he even doubted. And so a lot of times we beat ourselves up if we have doubts, if we have concerns, if we have issues. But understand, if you have a doubt, that doesn't mean that you're a bad believer or you're right. a bad person. Man. It just means you're human, yep. especially if you're going through difficulties. So um, I think that's a wonderful point to be brought up there, Curtis, that you that you brought up, I should say. Yeah. So then the symbol of the purging fire seems to greatly contrast with the imagery of the dove. What does the symbol of purging fire tell us about the Holy Spirit and where are these symbols found? So yeah, we we see we, we the dove is a nice image, is a peaceful image. But then mm-hmm. we have this other image of the spirit being like a purging fire. Is this a bad thing? Well, no, not really. Uh, it, it represents the power of God. It represents the purification of God. Uh, that that God doesn't save us to leave us as we are. He saves us to purify us, to make us in the image of Christ, make us in the mm-hmm. image that He has set before us. So this purging fire tells us about the power and purification of the Holy Spirit. And there's several places. In fact, fire is often accompanied by what's called a theophany, a visible manifestation of God's presence. Now, we know God is everywhere, mm-hmm. but that when, his, when his personal presence is manifested, he's accompanied often by fire, by light, by wind, um, sometimes by lightning and, and other things. And sometimes... 
uh, he comes by that still small voice. I mentioned uh, to the the church where I'm, I'm uh, serving at uh, Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church. I think if you follow the narrative, I think God prefers to come to us by the still small voice. But he, here's the thing: you got to consider. A lot of times, the problem is when God comes to us with a still small voice, <laughs> we don't listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can, exactly can we it. be honest? Can we be honest? We won't be quiet long enough to listen to the Holy Spirit of God. So sometimes God has to amp up, amp up that teaching, amp up that uh, that vocalization to uh, to to get our attention. And I tell everybody, part of my testimony is when God called me back in the ministry, He put me in the middle of the biggest lightning storm you've ever seen. I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't get back to the house. The only thing I could do was get on my knees and say, God, save me. 30, 45 minutes, this storm, this storm was going on. Lightning was popping everywhere. The hair on my head and arms were standing on end. It left a hole that big behind the uh, the building where I was, uh, that big <laughs> in the backyard. And I left out of there and said, okay, God, you got my attention. I submit. I- I'll go back in the ministry if you want me to, just as long as they don't handle snakes. <laughs> Make that one caveat. I don't go where they handle snakes. That's the only, but God has a sense of humor because every place I've been, someone's found a snake around there somewhere. <laughs> you you saw the picture I found of that snake up at Dad's ranch, right? It, yes, you did. And so, <laughs> and that just is another way the Lord reminded me He does have a sense of humor. Four so and a half all foot long rattlesnake. Exactly. <laughs> And, yeah, and all all that to be said. All that being said is, I think the Lord prefers to speak to us by the still small voice. But if we don't listen, sometimes He has to amp up uh, the way He speaks to us to get our attention. So we really need to listen because we probably prefer to listen to the still small voice rather than the other ways. But anyhow, all that being said, uh, there's four passages of Scripture, or actually probably five. We'll look at. And so, Curtis, I'll have you, if you will, look at Hebrews twelve twenty nine, and uh, see some comments on the Facebook page here. Uh, some people saying that they've never heard about uh, the teaching of the the, the uh, symbols of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, we're glad that you guys are with us, and and pray that you're receiving a blessing from this. So, the purging fire, uh, Exodus three two, and this is uh, this is uh, this is one that, quite frankly. Uh, is no surprise. We're we're going through a series uh, on um, the life of Moses here lately, and so Exodus three two we learn about Moses and the burning bush. Uh, but it's not the bush; uh, it's it's the person in the bush. Let's just go yeah. ahead and read this story real quickly. Uh, meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father in law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within the bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. Hmm. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't this bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush saying, Moses, Moses. Now here's a quick thing that i got to say as far as an interpretive uh thing we need to consider whenever you say a person's name twice in antiquity it was a tender gentle loving way of calling out to someone 
So it would be like if God called out saying, Curtis, Curtis, uh, you would have understood it to be a loving way in which God uh, was calling out to you. So he says, Moses, Moses, and Moses answered saying, here I am. And uh, so we see that the point there being, we see that God speaks to Moses from the burning bush. Now, let's flip over also to chapter 14 uh, in verse 20, chapter 14, verse 20. Um, chapter 14, verse 20. It says, um, then the angel of the Lord, let's go back to verse 19. The angel of the Lord who was going in front of the Israelite forces moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptian and Israelite forces. Uh, this is where they were fleeing from, uh, fleeing from the Israelite of the from the Egyptians. There was a cloud and darkness. It lit up the night, and neither group came near the other all night long. So you see this pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, uh, accompanying the uh, the Israelites is is serving a protective force against the Egyptians. This. A pillar of cloud by day, pillar of cl- mm-hmm. uh, fire by night. Let me quickly say, reference something here that's very intriguing. When Pilot Mountain, which you can see from my house, was on fire last year, guess what I observed? You could only see the fire at night, but you could yep. see the clouds by day. There's yep. a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Uh, and I got to thinking, I thought, wow, this is really reminiscent of... Uh, uh, the 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 Exodus and what they must have seen on Mount Sinai. So, uh, very fascinating thing. So, anyhow, the protective force of God all around the the uh, the power of God in the burning bush. The protective force of God was there, represented by fire. Uh, let's take a look at Hebrews twelve twenty nine, and and Curtis will hand this one over to you. Yeah, just a quick touch on that on your the fire by night um, and the smoke during the day, it's really hard to miss, wasn't it? Your eyes were automatic. Your eyes were automatically drawn to it. Just absolutely. Yeah. There was no, uh, even if you were trying to look away, you could, you couldn't help but be drawn to it. Yep. Yep. It's what always cracks me up in that story about Moses looking at the burning bush. It's like, he says, and Moses decided to tell himself, I'm going to look at this bush. (laughs) it's it's like here he's talking in third person to himself you know and a a little bit of seinfeld comes out of my head where he's where jimmy's got his shoes you know and all of a sudden it's it goes in a different direction (laughs) so yeah Uh, Uh, ladies and gentlemen it's only on the bellator christie podcast where you'll hear seinfeld (laughs) (laughs) oh i got lots of those ones but yeah so in in Hebrews twelve nine, this is where he's um, where he's talking about um, about how the kingdom uh, the kingdom's being um, is is stable and it can't be shaken and so on and so forth and so he's going through this list of things he's and he's encouraging everybody that's that's there right and and it says here um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to verse 28 and then go to 29 so you can get the flow of it. So verse 28 says, "Therefore, and what's it there for? Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire." Mm. Powerful. Mm. Preach on that. Very much so. Uh, and think, think of, 
fire. It, when fire gets out of control, it's very destructive. But if fire's contained, it's very helpful. It warms, it cooks food, right. it purifies food so that we could consume it. Lights uh, it. So, yeah. So there's a double-edged sword here when it comes to fire. God, being the purifying fire, uh, purifies us, helps us along the path, but he's also that wall of fire protecting us, mm-hmm. preserving us, and helping us along life's way. Uh, what is the scripture? I think it's Isaiah says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Well, if you've got God, it's the wall of fire around you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what more do you need, really, quite yeah. honestly? So uh, Zechariah chapter 2, verse 5 um Here's the third vision Zechariah has of a uh, in in total of his night visions. He has several night visions. This one's the third one. He sees as a surveyor, and um, this is the this is where he's talking about. I believe, if, if memory serves, where he's talking about uh, the angel holding the plumb line. And so mm-hmm. he says in verse five, the declaration of the Lord: I myself will be a wall of fire around it, and I will glory. I will be the glory within it and so we we see here again another representation of uh the spirit of of god himself being like fire uh let's take a look at a couple of other passages of scripture malachi 3 3 curtis will hand that one to you and i'll go over to titus 2 14 malachi 3 3 yeah. titus 2 14 so I, I just want to bring a little comedy into this because i i say malachi right but but we gotta gotta have a little humor here. We could also call this the Italian prophet. Call him Malachi. <laughs> well, there's always that. Yeah, yep. Malachi. Yep. <laughs> the Italian or like Habakkuk, prophet. Habakkuk. I've heard him called Habakkuk. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is some of that. I mean, he could be a kook. You know, I mean, my goodness. Uh, you know, the, some uh, of these, some of the prophets. Some of the prophets, I don't even know how how they even got through a day because some of the stuff they did was just weird. Oh, it I was mean, very much so. <laughs> just weird. So <laughs> anyway, uh, Malachi 3, uh, 3, it says, uh, He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. Oof. And refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Oh, boy. And this would kind of matches uh, the description you gave there as well. In Titus 2.14, it says, uh, he gave himself for us to redeem us from, and talking about Christ, from all lawlessness and to cleanse us, uh, to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession eager to do good work. So there again, that purifying fire, um, bringing us to the place we need to be, mm-hmm. uh, cleansing us, uh, purifying us, and uh, making us whole. Uh, so what do we see from this? So there's four things. First of all, fire purifies. There's a purification element to fire. That's why we cook food. It purifies mm-hmm. it, you might say. It makes it edible. Ambrose uh, argued in his book of the Holy Spirit, uh, he said that fire both improves good deeds like gold and consumes sin like stubble. Theodotus, uh, in his book Excerpts, says, By fire the dross is burned away and the purer elements conserved. 
uh, or even preserved. So this fire of the Holy Spirit purifies us. It makes us into the people we need to be. Secondly, fire describes the protective influence of the Holy Spirit, like that wall of fire around the Israelites protecting them from the Egyptians. Just think about this. We have that abiding presence of the Holy Spirit Mm. indwelling us, the fire of God uh, indwelling us uh, through life's journey. Fire also describes the purification of the Holy Spirit. Uh, As we mentioned, uh, fire can also describe the judgment of God given through and by the Holy Spirit of God. So uh, all of these elements describe uh, this this fire, uh, just like the dove represents the peace of God. uh, This fire represents the purification and um, holiness of God, the protective nature of God. And so fire is another major symbol of the Holy Spirit. Amazing. Amazing when we look at that, how how all of that comes together. You think about like when Malachi is talking about a refining fire, that's what that's what's next here. It says, uh, you know, well, you're talking about burning away the dross and burning, you know, and improving it and and cleaning it out and cleansing it out. That's 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 sanctification. That's that's the Holy Spirit doing the work inside of us purifying us making us pure gold uh to 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 be in with with god to be with god and i think what we forget is the holy spirit throughout our whole uh existence is is doing things in our lives so when we are not believers, when we haven't bent a knee to Christ, he's there prompting us, probing us, giving us direction, kind of keeping us in a direction or going in a, in a certain way. Then once mm-hmm. we have, once he, once we are, um, once we've kind of, I guess you could say, been inquisitive to Christ, then he's the one that brings the, the, the salvation mode to us and christ saves us right we bend a knee to jesus we say we can't do this on our own etc etc then through the process the holy spirit then protects us for a while because it tells us in scripture that there's a there's a time period where where we we give our lives to christ he protects us and then he starts and then he starts teaching us and then he starts Mm -hmm. moving us in a direction and that direction is to become christ's bride and i know as a guy you know it sounds funny or sounds weird to become the bride of christ but that's that's the symbolism that's given in the book of revelation when christ comes back the church the overhauled church the big c church is his bride that's who he's coming back to receive so that's the symbolism that's pushed along that way so along that the whole time the holy spirit is doing things in our lives and as we become believers then he's purifying us getting rid of all those things he's bringing up sins that we have or or uh proclivities that we have or all of the things that are trapping us, keeping us from going in a direction pointed towards God. Let, let me just add one more point before we move to the uh, next symbol. If you look at the Hebrew text in, in uh, Psalm 23, you know, it ends classically by saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. 
and and I shall live in the house of the Lord forever. That phrase, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us. In the Hebrew text, uh, the, the, the imagery is of God pursuing us with his love and grace, his loving kindness. It's not only this, yes. and even after, I mean, listen, said, to have a healthy, to have a healthy marriage, you, you uh, don't need to stop dating your spouse. You need to constantly date each other and learn more about each other. And that's the imagery given of God. He pursues mm-hmm. us. He not, even after he's, we've entered that covenant relationship with God, he continuously pursues us with that loving grace and mercy, that loving kindness, all the days of our lives. And even until he enters and brings us into the, the house of the Lord uh, or mm-hmm. the uh, kingdom of God for all eternity. So, I don't think we can ever completely fathom the love that God has for us. And even right. this purification, it sounds scary. It sounds, it sounds, uh, it's one of the more difficult symbols, perhaps. But even that, God has good intentions, good purposes by purifying us, making us clean and whole. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Impressive, powerful stuff. So, what does the symbol of the spirit being like a mighty wind uh, depict? Well, here we go to uh, let's give a couple scripture references and we'll come back and, and describe what the wind uh, represents as related to the Holy Spirit of God. First of all, we go to a teaching of Jesus in John chapter three. Uh, he's meeting by night one of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews, uh, the Jewish nation at that time, a Jewish people. Uh, he says, Rabbi, how do we know that you're a teacher who's come from God? For no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, as any of us would, asks, well, how can a person be born a second time? And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of the spirit, we'll come back to water in a few moments. Uh, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. And here's the verse we're really looking for. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. Mm-hmm. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So there's a directiveness of the Holy Spirit. There's a guidance of the Holy Spirit. And even there's a vitality that comes with the Holy Spirit of God in this passage of Scripture. But it doesn't end there. Let's take a look at the day of Pentecost, and uh, we'll flip that one over to Curtis. Man, oh, man. <laughs> Acts 2, 1 and 2, what happened when the Holy Spirit of God came down? So, yeah, so uh, they were all in one accord, so they were traveling in one car. So. <laughs> That's got a lot of mileage through the years, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So it says here in two one, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. I'm going to go on to three. And divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. fire again. Yep. The fire again. So, yeah, the combination of the wind. And the wind is the the, uh, moving force, the recognizing force of, of what God was doing at that time. 
Absolutely. Have you ever been in a big storm? I mean, I'm thinking of when I lived at the coast, uh, there was a hurricane that came through. I mean, ongoing winds that were ferocious, intense. At that time, I was living in a little single wide trailer and that thing was rocking like a little rowboat back and forth. And I thought, oh, Lord, get me out of this. But anyhow, even here, uh, we've had some huge gusts. Yeah, I was singing, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream (laughs) with that going on. (laughs) But even here, we've had some big gusts. We've had some fronts come through, bring some yeah. big winds. And, you know, it's intense looking at some of the trees as they're bowing over and, right. and just just feeling the wind coming against the house. Or even if you're outside walking and you, you feel this gust of wind or outside driving a car and you feel, the, feel it, or mm-hmm. especially if you have a high-profile vehicle like a truck or something. All of this shows the mighty force of God coming into a particular area. So what does it represent? Well, there's two things we could talk about. First of all, wind represents vitality in life. Now, it's interesting. The word ruach and pneuma, Hebrew word ruach and the Greek word pneuma, both are used interchangeably for the terms spirit and wind. So the same word for wind is also used for spirit. Mm -hmm. Wind is necessary for uh, life as it moves in and out of the lungs. We have to have wind. In fact, you know, I've been called an old windbag before, <laughs> but but even still, to even hear the sound of my voice, Curtis got it. <laughs> even the sound, hear the sound of my voice, to hear the sound of Curtis's voice, it requires wind. Wind moving through our vocal cords, bringing the vibrations from our voices to your ears. Uh, Wind is necessary for the words that we hear. Uh, It's necessary for communication. Wind is necessary for the breaths that we take. If you can't breathe, guess what? You're not going to live very long. You've got to have that oxygen. You've got to have that breath. So in... In real fashion, the symbol of wind represents the life, the vitality that God himself gives to us as represented by the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost is represented uh, as Jesus taught us in John 3 of that new life found in the Holy Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. But wind also represents presence. The Mm -hmm. spirit flows from the Father and the Son to each person. Think about this. When you have a relationship with Christ, with the Father through Christ, you have that personal relationship with the Holy Spirit as he comes and he's tabernacled within you. I mean, you don't have to think about God being far off. He is with you at all times. Uh, He is indwelling within you. That same, and I, I can't stop saying this because it's amazing to me. That same spirit at the day of creation who brought forth things into existence, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is that one and same Holy Spirit that lives and abides within you Mm. with that personal relationship that you have with Christ Jesus. Mm. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the wind, uh, the symbol of wind, we're talking about uh, the life and vitality that God gives us. But we're also, in a very real sense, talking about the personal presence of God uh, as he is truly God with us. Yeah. And the thing about it is when we talk about the wind, when we I want I want I want to kind of give this imagery to people. Um, 
think about it. We don't see the wind blowing. What we see is the effects that the wind is creating. Ooh. Yeah. So, I mean, think about it. Like in the fall, the leaves get knocked off of the trees and they're blown around. We see that effect. We don't see the wind blowing. If 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 there was nothing out there, you wouldn't see the wind blowing. But there's got to be things that the wind is moving. So think about that. If we are pliable and movable and we can be moved by the Holy Spirit, we are seen then by the world. And and we're going to talk. Um, I'm not sure if we have this on an upcoming podcast or not, but if not, we need to mention it here. Uh, what are some of those visible manifestations of the spirit, sure. the, the invisible spirit working through us? Well, I mean, you have the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. The fruit of the spirit is evidence that the spirit of God is living and abiding within you. It's not produced by you. It's produced by the spirit living within you. Mm-hmm. And what are those fruit? Well, in Galatians, we're told that it's love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's evidence. Now, that doesn't mean that if we have a bad day, maybe we don't feel so loving. Maybe we don't feel so kind. Maybe we weren't gentle with someone. That doesn't mean that you don't have the Holy Spirit of God mm-hmm. within you. Right. It's, it's, the overarching, uh, it's the overarching story of your life, right. uh, of, of what God is doing through you. And understand we're also going through the process of sanctification. Yeah, so there it is. Um, God is purifying us and in, in with us as we're moving along this journey. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing is, though, also you hear people and I want to I want to kind of just point the other part out is you hear people kind of not necessarily abuse uh, the Holy Spirit's work in them. They try to use um you know, an excuse of like, oh, well, that's just the spirit working on me. I know he's working on me. I'm, you know, I'm sorry I did that. The spirit's working on me. The thing about it is being led by the spirit is different than using the spirit as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Preach your own, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I've I've heard it all. So I've heard it all. So. <laughs> Well, Curtis, we have two more, and there's a lot left to go. What do you think? Where are we at on time? Well, looks like what? Uh, what are we? Almost an hour, forty-five. Why don't minutes. we? Why don't we go ahead? Because I don't want to. I don't want to uh, shortchange these next two symbols. Why yeah, don't we sure. go ahead and and just take a pause here and uh, let's let's take a look at the two remaining symbols we weren't planning to do this but there's just too much so much good stuff here uh we we covered fire we covered uh the dove we covered wind uh we've got two more to go next week we'll look at these two next week and if we have time maybe we'll jump in uh to the next topic but well, uh we might even make give sure us a little give. time to expound on some of these a little bit more even just to yeah. just to do a little bit more well, and I don't know that we have a podcast or an episode devoted to the, the fruit of the Spirit, and I think that's something that would be beneficial, if nothing else, to maybe sure. look at in addition to these final two 
um, these final two symbols. Curtis, we haven't done this before, but we've got an amazing crowd here on Facebook. Uh, before before we say goodnight to everyone, uh, I'd like to have a word of prayer uh, for our listening audience. We, we do this before the podcast. We've never done this before, but... Uh, I just feel led right now just to pray for the folks that's watching this uh, and, and for, because we know there's a lot of people hurting, a lot of people who are going through difficult times right now. So let's just have a word of prayer and asking uh, the Holy Spirit to anoint and bless over uh, each and every person that's with us. And then we'll flip it over to you to, to, to land this plane. Sure. Yeah. Dear kind of gracious uh, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your Holy Spirit. We're Thankful that your spirit is that uh, innocent dove who provides peace to our lives. Yeah. We're so thankful, Lord, even though it's kind of sometimes a frightening image to think of the spirit being a purifying fire. But we are so thankful that that you love us so much that you pursue us, that you protect us spiritually, that you that you preserve us and you you form a shield of protection around us yeah. and. We just pray that for our our listeners who may be uh, listening to us on the audio podca- podcast or uh, or those visiting with us by or listening to us by uh, Facebook and YouTube that that Lord that you would just anoint them today with that special protective fire of your Holy Spirit. If there's anything in their lives that we need to have cleansed and purified, we pray that you would even do it now and. And Lord, we thank you for that wind which represents your presence and that vitality. Lord, even now we, we enjoy the gift of breath, uh, breathing in and breathing out. Uh, the, the sounds that we hear when we hear a person speak, it's only possible uh, through the breath moving through the vocal yes. cords. That breath is so associated with, mm. with life and, uh, and vitality. Mm. And so we're so thankful for that spirit that you've given us. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, for each and every person that's joining us today, whether it be by the recorded uh, audio or by the uh, live stream, uh, we just pray that you would anoint them. Lord, for all the problems that's going on out there, we know that there's a lot of folks who are sick in the hospital, a lot of folks who are dealing with difficult times. But we just pray that through in your Holy Spirit that you would bless over each life, that you would guide them, direct them, and give them that peace that can only come from you. Mm. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Mm. Amen. Amen. Before we close out, I do want to mention that I want, I want our listeners to think about this maybe throughout the next week until we come back next week and we, and we discuss this a little further. I want to, I want our listeners to think about the Holy Spirit moving in their life or the Spirit doing these things. And remember, the Spirit is like the wind. You don't see the wind moving, but you see the effects that the wind creates. So you see that the wind is animating the trees. You see that the the the, the wind animates the ground or moves snow or moves the rain or does these things. It's a moving force. So what in your life are you allowing the spirit to move you in and what things could you improve on allowing it to do better? Mm. Just want to kind of point that out. Maybe do a little pastoral care there. Powerful <laughs> word, my friend. Yeah. So 
We here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending your time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and it becomes a place to strengthen your faith, and we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and become a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast, and until next time, Brian and I say, soldier on, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast with Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo. This podcast is an exclusive production of Bellator Christie Ministries and is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect the opinions of Bellator Christie Ministries and its affiliates. We thank you for listening and hope you'll consider leaving a positive review. To see more from Bellator Christie Ministries, go to bellatorchristi.com. This is Dr. Brian Chilton with a Theology Moment on the Bellator Christi Podcast. One of the great dangers of earning an advanced degree like a Ph.D. is thinking that one has the answers to all of life's problems. And quite frankly, nothing could be further from the truth. I've told many individuals that one of the biggest things I've learned coming through this Ph.D. program is how little I actually knew. With any type of topic and any type of subject, there are volumes of books written on any given thing. And quite frankly, it is impossible for anyone to have a complete mastery over any topic, even with a Ph.D. One of the great dangers, not only with advanced education, but also in life, is coming to a place in one's spiritual journey where a person believes that that he or she knows everything or has mastered some type of particular issue. And we can see this from everything to social media to the media in on network television. One of the great things about being a Christian, being a believer in Christ, is embracing the mystery of God. Now me, Myers-Briggs tells me I'm an INTJ, which means I like <laughs> to find the answers. And I think if you've listened to the Bellator Christie podcast or read any of my articles, you know that I like to discover new things and I like to uh, have the answers to life's biggest questions. While God has revealed many truths to us, there is always going to be an element of mystery. In the book of Ecclesiastes, after telling us in chapter 3 that there's an occasion for everything, a time for every activity under the sun, the teacher then tells us, that in verse 11 or verse 10, I have seen the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. Verse 11, he has made everything appropriate in his time. He's also put eternity in their hearts. But no one can discover the work God has done from beginning to end, meaning that there is a mystery to God's work. Instead, instead of feeling stressed out that we don't know the answers to all life's questions, it's better to rest and the knowledge of what we do know. What do we know about God? We know that He's all-loving. We know that He's caring. We know that He's got a plan for our lives, even if we don't understand what that plan may be at this moment. The goal for any child of God is to rest in the arms of God, to do what He calls us to do, and leave the results with Him.
Just something to consider on this Theology Moment on the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is Dr. Brian Chilton. God bless, and we'll see you back next time. After five years, 40,000 pages read, nearly 1,000 pages written, the task is now complete. I am proud to announce to you that since last Friday, I have successfully defended the dissertation and have now earned my PhD. This program has not been easy, and the task has been nothing less than a spiritual war. But God has seen us through, when I say us, my family and I, in ways that cannot be imagined. This program, this degree, is dedicated to God and for those who seek after their calling and their dreams. With God, all things are possible as He can see us through anything. The journey has not ended, but only begun. And for those who are dreaming, may I encourage you, don't stop believing. For our God can get us through any difficulty and bring us to triumph. So for those in the program, keep pressing on.